Dub Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. Left side, it's a three. In and out, rebound, out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Danner. Right there. And Gary St. Jean. <laughs> What up, ladies and gentlemen? We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean taking your calls all hour long, 888-957-9570. That number again, 888-957-9570. like to remind you that the Warriors 2022-23 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. And there is a lot of ground to cover here on Warriors Roundtable this week. Andrew Wiggins, Back with the team. Great to see him in that pregame press conference yesterday. You just heard on Willard and Dibbs preceding us in the their chat with Steve Kerr that he will not play in the regular season. We will break that down as the show goes on. But Gary, let's start with the big win in their home finale last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, another slow start at home in the first half. Again, another double-digit deficit, though I'll say a 10-point deficit in an NBA game means absolutely nothing. I, I I think we should maybe track more like 15-point deficit comes back and comebacks instead of 10-point deficit comebacks. But that being said, I, they had a situation pop up where Klay Thompson was held out of last night's game with a back injury, and so that kind of switched the starting lineup up. And it, there was a decision that Steve Kerr made to, to start Anthony Lamb over Dante DiVincenzo because of that three-forward combination of Lamb, Kaminga, and Green had been really a, a positive for this team, but obviously it was not a positive last night. And they were able to correct things in the second half, but another slow start, especially defensively, as they gave up Oklahoma, they gave up 79 points in that first half to Oklahoma City, which tied a season high for the Thunder. Well, Kev, you know, uh, watching that game last night, it, it was a test of your patience and your belief. And as a coach, you're sitting there and you're sweating a little bit. You know it's a huge game. And the other team comes in, and I have so much respect for this young coach, Mark Dano, and how they play the way they play downhill, that means you're taking the ball off the bounce and you're touching the paint a ton of times. Well, they do that so well because of Shea Gildress-Alexander, who's quietly one of the top 15, 20 players in the league. And I look at that team, and all of a sudden they're on fire from the perimeter. Uh, they were like fun, just amazing to me. So you had to be patient and figuring, hey, they're on the road. They're going to cool down. They're a young team. And it took some patience on everybody's part. They hung in there and, and cut down the deficit. And, uh, you know, when I look at it, uh, it, it, the second half adjustments were terrific. And the guys really, I thought, played a great game. Uh, you know, you, you touched on a couple of guys, and we're going to talk about them all. But uh, I just I thought it was a really heck of a – solid home win in a must-win situation. Yeah, they absolutely had to have it. They improved to 42-38 and 38 on the season. And one of the adjustments that was made in the second half was Dante DiVincenzo, who had been starting a lot recently with Andrew Wiggins being out, came off the bench to start the game. But he started the second half and immediately hit a couple of shots to get Golden State back from 
down 10 to within four to, to make the Thunder really feel them. And he had a fantastic second half in that game, coming off that 18-point, 13-double-double, 13-rebound double-double he had in the close loss to the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. As usual, when you plug Dante DiVincenzo in there, Gary, good things happen. Well, how would you like to be him? And, and looking back at signing with this team and wondering, you know, am I making a good decision? Because he's been injured the last couple of years, and uh, he's he's just created a, a a notch for himself on this team. And you touched on it. He's tough. He's smart. He defends. He rebounds. He wins. You know, I was texting back and forth with an old writer today, Peter Vesey, and he oh, said, yes. "You know what?" You know what he said to me? He says, just trust Villanova guys. Because when you look at those four Villanova guys that are playing right now, uh, you just smile. I mean, that they're just terrific players. And uh, so with that said, he was a catalyst. I mean, last week when you and I talked, uh, he came off the, at the start of the third quarter when they were in a hole, and uh, he had a tip dunk and a three-pointer. So he brings great energy, and I, I just love his toughness. You combine that with Gary Payton, and uh, you got something there. I mean, that they're, they're, they change the game when they come in. And they definitely seem like they feed off each other as well. Kind of, I remember one of the first games they played together. They kind of said to each other, "You down to pick up full court against Minnesota?" And you know, they they kind of feed off that that defensive energy that that both of them bring to the game. I, another guy who had just a, a huge impact, and we're starting to see it a lot in crunch time from him recently, is Jordan Poole. He had the 19-point fourth quarter in the win over the Philadelphia 76ers about a week and a half ago. He goes for 18 points in the fourth quarter, scored 30 overall against the Thunder last night. And after a year with some late-game blunders for Jordan, he he's really had some monster performances in the clutch as of late. And, I mean, he was spectacular in the fourth last time. We, we mentioned the points, but – and he also didn't turn the ball over in the fourth quarter. All four of his turnovers came in, in the first three quarters. And when he is clicking, he could really put together some special performances. Give the man credit. He played a tremendous game. And for me, he's the absolute wild card with this team. I don't think teams are going to get excited for the playoffs preparing the Warriors – for looking at Steph Clay and him. Uh, yeah. You know, Kev, he, last night, I just loved the way he played in the, in the sense that he knew when he had space and a mismatch to drive the ball, and he had some beautiful finishes at the rim. And on the other side of the coin, he took some threes that were there because there was space and the ball moved, and he didn't launch any of those what I call wedge uh, 37-footers at the end of quarters. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those. So you're right. His decision-making was very solid. He played very well, and he's going to be a key piece uh, for this team as they get toward the playoffs. And, and how about Stephen Curry in that fourth quarter, too? Because he saw – I mean, he had a fantastic game, Steph. 34 points. I mean, we almost, like, don't really even talk about Steph – enough on Warriors Roundtable because we just kind of assume Steph's going to get his 36 and 6 or something like that and we, we've seen it all a million times but he was having a, a really good game even though Lou Dort was kind of stuck on to him like glue and he recognized that Jordan Poole 
had it going in the fourth quarter. You know, Steph doesn't play the start of the fourth quarter traditionally. He didn't last night. And so when he got back in, he said, let's continue to run this thing through Jordan. I mean, how many superstars, how many final MVP, finals MVPs, how many regular season MVP type players would have the confidence or, or, or the humility, whatever word you want to choose for that, to, to hand the reins over to someone who's 12 years younger than them in crunch time? Well, that, that, what can we say? I mean, this is a Hall of Famer. This is a guy who's comfortable in his own skin, whose top-of-the-line agenda is to win. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. There's nights when guys have it going, whether it's Clay or uh, Poole, uh, that, hey, he looks at it and says, hey, I know that if I come off of a, a drag screen or if I come off a, a dribble handoff, they're, they're going to jump me and double-team me. And with that said, he has the ability to find the slot guy and then create a four-on-three on the backside. And he's very comfortable doing that. He's very willing to give up the ball and in all scenarios. So surprise? No, not to me. He, he's playing beautiful basketball. I got another argument this afternoon with some guys back east. They were talking about who's going to be all pro, who's going to make the first team. And they're giving me this big speech about Donovan Mitchell, you know, four games of 40 in a row. I said, hey, stay up late. You guys are back (laughs) east. Stay up late and just watch the greatest shooter ever. And if you guys are going to start to tell me that he's not first team all pro, and they say, oh, what about this 60 game stuff and all that kind of thing? I said, hey, put that away till next year. You're watching greatness. (laughs) Stay up and watch greatness. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the passion in that argument, Gary. Is uh, he? He certainly was great last night. And who else was great was Moses Moody, who has not seen a lot of court time as of late. But last night, thirteen points, five rebounds, had a big put back dunk off an offensive rebound off a missed free throw, not a tip jam, but got the offensive rebound, powered up in traffic, slammed it home. Three of five from downtown, played 26 minutes, and was a a, a positive in the plus minus, a plus four in those 26 minutes he was out there. Let's hear from Steve Kerr. Then, Gary, I want to get your thoughts after what uh, Kerr has to say. But this is what Steve had to say about when he was asked about the importance of Moses Moody in the win over the Thunder and his maturity that he's shown. Moses and Dante off the bench were both huge. Moses, you know, I can't say enough about this young guy, the way he has prepared and worked, and he's so mature. And over the last couple of weeks, you could really see the improvement and the confidence and the strength around the basket. And, you know, I think I told you guys this, but when I talked to him, Bob and I talked to him a couple of months ago and asked him how he was doing with not playing much. And he said, look, I chose to develop in the NBA not at Arkansas. If I was at Arkansas, I'd be playing. I chose to develop in the NBA, and this is part of it. It's like the most mature answer I've ever heard anybody give, but that's who he is. He's just a really mature young guy, and he gets it. A lot to learn, but he puts in the work. He puts in the time. He's got an incredible attitude, and he's the work is paying off, and he's getting better, and tonight he was one of the keys to the game. Well, that, that's beautiful. Uh, 20 years old. And the maturity to understand that he's with a very special team that's had a tremendous run with Hall of Fame players, great coaching staff. And I always say this about young guys. I call them smart when they're willing to listen and learn. And uh, that's what this guy's doing. Now, you know, Dibs and the guys were talking about a lot of people. Oh, you should be playing, you know, instead of Lamb and all this kind of stuff. 
you know what? You got to capitalize on your opportunities in terms of minutes when they're available. But it's also about development, and that's so big in today's world, and also practicing well. And this young guy, you just hear a lot of compliments about him. You and I liked him in the summer league. Uh, I think he's got a bright future as a wing. I'm not telling you he's a starter, but he's a he's a role player in in somebody's rotation. And uh, you're happy for the guy because when you get into the playoffs here, there's probably not going to be a lot of minutes for him, but he's stepping up with Clay out last night. He just plays a heck of a game. So, hey, kudos to him. Let's take a look at some upcoming broadcasts presented by Ticketmaster. Two games left in the regular season Friday at Sacramento, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time on 95.7 with Tim Roy and Jim Barnett. And then the season wraps up in Portland, the regular season, that is Sunday, April 9th. That's Easter Sunday. Noon airtime, 12.30 tip on 95.7 The Game. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be taking your calls and talking Andrew Wiggins returning to the team, speaking with the media last night. Coming up right here after the break on 95.7 The Game. If you've just joined us, don't worry. We saved your seat. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. At the Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Curry behind the back. Wait, stops it, pops on the way. Ridiculous three on the white sideline. Now, here's Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Live the sweet life during the 2023 playoffs. Reserve your playoff suite today. Suites include VIP parking and inclusive food and beverage. Learn more at chasecenter.com slash suites. Well, the Warriors got to win a couple more games in the regular season to make sure they get into the playoffs before uh, having to go through the play-in route. So hopefully they'll be able to do that against Sacramento and Portland as we welcome you back here on Warriors Roundtable 95.7 The Game. Kevin Danick, Gary St. Jean with you. Taking your calls all hour long, 888-957-9570. And Gary, let's turn our attention to Andrew Wiggins. He is back with the team now, Steve Kerr said he will not play in these final two regular season games against the Kings or the Blazers, but he is back with the team. He made an appearance, spoke with the media last night before the win over the Thunder. Uh, and he, we can say that with that Steve Kerr chat with uh, Willard and Dibbs on our airways on 95.7 The Game, that Andrew did scrimmage five-on-five five with the young guys today. So I think that's a, that's a good sign. We'll get into that. But first off, it, it was just great to see Andrew Wiggins back with this team saying even though he's not going to be available for the rest of the regular season we know that his return is going to be sooner rather than later well wasn't it great just to see him sitting on that bench smiling and the reaction from the fans yeah. the, the standing ovation it just just great and you know what uh, in today's world with all the many media uh, facets I, I was just really impressed and and so Felt so much respect for him from the organization, from the media people, that they that there was a family issue, and they left it at that. That was really great because, you know, you can be in other markets. If you were in New York or Philly or Boston, holy moly, they would have people camped out at your house uh, trying to figure out what's going on. So that that was really nice that people gave him space and respect. And hopefully, uh, hopefully his dad's going to be okay. Uh, you know, I knew his dad back when he was a player in the NBA, and uh, boy, he was talented. He just an athlete, a little smaller than his son, but boy, the same kind of athlete. So uh, that was great. And 
you know, you painted me a picture of the of the outlook for the last uh, few games here and then the playoffs. And if the Warriors can take care of business, they get six. Well, I, I'm greedy. I want them to get six in the worst way because that's going to give him a whole week to have yes. practice. And that's going to be really, really big for this team. Uh, instead of having to be in the play-in and, you know, one and done and you could be out of this thing, that would really be a great, great thing. And, Kev, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. I, I think it's going to happen. Uh, there's a lot of tiebreakers, a lot of craziness going on, but yeah. I, I think it's got a good chance of happening. Yeah, we're going to get into those tiebreakers and those scenarios in our, our next segment. But uh, sticking with Wiggins, and I mean, you're absolutely right on you know kind of how this was dealt with by Bay Area media, by the Warriors staff. I, I think it all showed a respect level that there is for Andrew Wiggins. And yeah, I think you're right. If if Andrew Wiggins was on the New York Knicks, uh, rest assured in the New York Post, there would have been something uh, much sooner about uh, why Andrew Wiggins w- w- was out than, than what came out from the athletic. You mentioned it, Gary, uh, a potentially a, a health issue with his father, Mitchell Wiggins, uh, which was... Uh, you know, there were some crazy, crazy rumors out there that we are not even going to, you know, mention, but because uh, some people's minds, their imaginations run wild. But I, I think what this all showed with, you know, it being kept private is just how beloved Andrew really is in that locker room. And this is what Steph Curry had to say after the game last night about how the team embraced Wiggins and, and given him love during this uh, difficult time for him and his family. That's what it's about, understanding how much he's been embraced by our fan base, by the organization, and that's the love you show your your own. And I know there's been a lot of unnecessary conversation around him and the whole situation, and you don't really want to really react to everything that, sh- that goes on, as they say, on the internet, but it's just a matter of embracing him and giving him the space to come back and enjoy basketball again and enjoy being around us. Well... Steph Curry, the elder statesman, well said. And uh, as you noted, he, he's got a lot of respect and in, in, in that locker room, and the guys really care for him. Uh, he may not be the most bombastic guy, but since he came to where he was at the end of the playoffs last year, I remember watching him play like in Minnesota. The guy never smiled. I, I never saw happiness from him. And as uh, last year went so well for him, he played terrific. He was such a key cog in the championship run and, and uh, the recognition. But, you know, you play the game and, and to have happiness because the guys you're with and you're achieving success, great thing. Uh, he, he has a really, really bright future. Yeah, he, he really does. I mean, he's still just entering the prime of his career yep. in, in his late 20s. So uh, really a lot of good things that – in the rest of his career to come. But with respect to this season, Gary, we've heard from Steve Curry told Willard and Dibbs, if you're just tuning in that Andrew will not play in these final two regular season games, but he did scrimmage five on five with a young guy. So when you hear that he's already scrimmaging five on five, what does that say to you? Well, that's great because, uh, you know, I've read that he's been uh, with a trainer and he's been lifting weights and, you know, shooting and, and doing that kind of thing, but there's nothing like getting up and down the floor. And, uh, then you take it a step further. There's nothing like being in an NBA game. You think you're in shape, but you're not an NBA pl- game shape. 
And uh, so that's, that's a great step forward. And that's why I think it's so important to get that six spot. Stay the heck away from four and five. Yeah. Let, let Phoenix and the Clippers and the Lakers, let them have that. Uh, get that six spot, and then he's going to shine. Yeah, and I mean, there's no official timetable on when he'll return to play, but you would think if they do have that full week off that he would be pretty good to go or close to good to go for game one of that first-round playoff series. And and the truth of it is, I think at least the way I see it, if the Warriors are going to win a fifth NBA championship in the last nine seasons, Andrew Wiggins has to be at peak form or very close to it. Well, we can be the eternal optimist and say they're going to roll and all that kind of thing. This is about uh, a team and having talent and having uh, guys that compete and are smart. And he's a big piece of that puzzle. And I think it's paramount for the Warriors if they want to advance uh, out of the first round to have him out there. Superstar artist and composer Ricardo Arjona is coming to Chase Center on May 5th. This will be the first time his tour is in San Francisco, so don't miss out. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. We're going to take another break when we come back. A little bit more on the Wiggins situation. Then we're going to break down the Western Conference playoff outlook and what needs to happen. Obviously, you know the Warriors, they win two. They are going to be the sixth seed. But how else it might break down as we take a look at what the other teams battling against the Warriors are are looking at as their regular seasons come to a close. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Dub Nation 2023-24 season tickets are available now. Be the first to secure your opportunity to select seats for all Warriors home games during the playoffs, plus additional perks. Call 888-GSW-HOOP or visit warriors.com to learn more. Back here on Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 of the game, Kevin Dana alongside Gary St. Jean taking your calls for the next 20 minutes or so. Again, if you want to hit us up, 888-957-9570. Again, that number is 888-957-9570. One more thing on the Wiggins situation, Gary. I, I, I want to put kind of your experience to, to use here. Can you think of a similar situation in the past where an all-star level player has kind of left his team midseason for an extended period of time? For a personal matter, and it's kind of you know been kept, you know uh, his privacy's kind of been kept under wraps like this before. Yeah, there's I can't give you a specific Kev, and I'm going to plead age, but uh, on the other side of the coin, I can remember guys stepping away uh, for you know health reasons or whatever. Uh, but again, a lot of things leaked out in the past, but. It's happened. It, it'll come out. I'm sure somebody's going to do a little study on it. But uh, it's it's not. It sounds really rare, but I, I think uh, it's happened in the past. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on now to the the Western Conference playoff outlook again. It, it's as simple as this. We're going to break down things a, a little bit more because that's what we do here on Warriors Roundtable. But. The Warriors got back in control of their own destiny last night to avoid the play-in 
because of their win over the Thunder and also because the Kings did them a favor in smacking around the New Orleans Pelicans last night. So this is what it is. You win at Sacramento, you win at Portland, you're going to be at least the sixth seed at 44 and 38. Well, if my memory serves me correct, you thought that the number was going to be 44. Uh, I'm, I'm saying six, eight weeks ago you said that. And it may come to truth because, uh, uh, you know, Sacramento, they're spanking the Mavericks after winning last night. They're, they're fine-tuned. They're playing great. But maybe because there's a chance they might play each other, maybe they'll rest some guys. That, that, uh, I'm a little surprised they're playing all their guys because they've won the Pacific Division and they have nowhere else to go uh, in terms of, of place in the playoffs. But that's a tough team to play up there, especially. And the fans, uh, when there's nothing like when the Kings, even though one team was kind of subpar and another one was way above par, whenever they play each other, because the coaches know each other, players know each other well, and you got fans that travel and all that kind of thing. It's all. It was always a special game to me uh, to play uh, when I was with either team. And so that'll be tough. And, you know, it, Portland has had a crazy win this week. Who'd they beat? Minnesota? Yeah. They beat Th- Minnesota. They were crazy. like 19 and a half point underdogs in that game. Yeah, that was wild. But I do think we can get up there and get a win. So, uh, you know, you control your own destiny. It's great. And then, boy, you know, let, 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 look at tonight's game, the Clippers and the Lakers in an hour. I don't think yeah. either one of them wants to win. <laughs> I think I'm not. I I could be nuts, Kev, but I think everybody wants to stay away from Phoenix. Uh, I agree with you because the Phoenix Suns are undefeated with Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's true. In the lineup, so like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I think everyone's trying to avoid the five spot because Phoenix is pretty locked into four. Golden State cannot go up to four. Maybe some of those other teams have tiebreakers with the Phoenix Suns, but Golden State does not. So if they both finish 44 and 38, Golden State would finish uh, below Phoenix in the stands as a result of that tiebreaker. But here's what the landscape looks like around Golden State. The Clippers and the Lakers are both 41 and 38. The Pelicans are 40 and 39, but they are down eight right now, a little more than midway through the third quarter against the Memphis Grizzlies. And and then Minnesota's at 540 and 40. Oklahoma City, 38 and 42. Dallas, 37, 42. Utah, 36 and 43. So the Warriors cannot fall lower than ninth. And I think it'd be very tough for them to finish lower than eighth, and especially if the Pelicans lose tonight to the Memphis Grizzlies. That would be another team with 40 losses. But the problem is is that they don't own tiebreakers with the four closest teams to them in the standings. Actually, five closest if you include Phoenix. The Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans, and Timberwolves all have tiebreakers, whether it's head-to-head like the Lakers have or better conference or division records like the Clippers, Pelicans, and Timberwolves have. So you have to finish a clear game ahead of those teams to make sure you get that better seeding. Yeah, it, that's really uh, odd to me that, uh, that they don't have any of those. Uh, but with that said, that gives you more reason to take care of business, get it done, and and win them both. Uh, you know, they're feeling really good, and – you know, you don't have a long ways to travel. You get up there and, 
you know, that's that's another reason why you may want to try to play them in the playoffs is because, you know, you're going to be on the road. You're you're not going to have home court. To, so to have to just go back and forth up to Sacramento, heck, it, I, with, with Nelly in the old days, we'd stop at In-N-Out Burger and put everybody in shock. <laughs> They'd say, what the heck are you guys doing here? <laughs> now, so you guys would stop on at In-N-Out on the way to Sacramento? Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't stay over. Cripe, the budgets were so tight. So we'd be coming back, and Nellie would say, all right, let's pull in. And we'd normally stop like in Davis around down there or, or uh, okay. yeah, probably there. And I, I got to tell you, I love the look on the people in the, in the store when, they'd all, when all the guys would walk in. And, my gosh, would they load up. I'm telling you, they probably had four orders of fries and a triple burger and a, you name it. And uh, – it was always fun to me. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Dude, and we I mean, won the, the most Sa- of the time, which was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, the Santa Cruz Warriors would do the same thing coming back from Reno, the Sacramento Kings affiliate. We, yeah. I remember going, to, you know, driving back from Reno after a long, uh, you know, long bus sure. ride, probably stopping somewhere near Sacramento about halfway through our drive back and uh, getting some yeah. in and out. So we would do that, though. You know, I don't think uh, our players kind of, turned heads like uh, you know some of the guys uh, from the run TMC days or, or something of the sort like that <laughs> but, I, I agree with you but I, I do want to ask you because we have kind of made this point time after time and everyone just kind of says well you want to avoid the plane you want to avoid the play in and look yeah I, it's better to have a higher scene I, I think we get that especially with Golden State I, I think you know with Guys, where your core guys are in their mid to late third or mid to early thirties, getting that extra week off would be huge. But you know, I, I I don't think you could say that. Oh, it's impossible to come out of the play in and make a deep run in the playoffs, just because we haven't seen it yet. I mean, you know, the play in really only has roots back to twenty twenty, and that was that one Grizzlies Portland Trailblazer game in the bubble. The true play. This is like the third season of this format of the play-in. So uh, there's not enough history there. And I'd rather not face Denver or Memphis in the first round, but I, I think we kind of see the play-in as a doom and gloom. But we have seen an eight seed make the finals before. The New York Knicks back in 1999 did it. Now, that was a 50-game season. Uh, they obviously had much more talent than your traditional eight seed with Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell, Larry Johnson, Patrick Ewing. Uh, the list goes on. Chris Childs, one of my favorite players growing up, Charlie Ward. But, I, I mean, how important is it to you to avoid the play-in? Well, I, I think, again, you, you bring up great points about the age, trying to stay away from, you don't want to play Denver or Memphis right away. And, and you know, you, you're you right on what you're saying. If you're seven or eight, you've got two cracks. But if you're uh, nine or ten, you're one and done. And uh, so with that said, um, I don't know. I think the, the less games you can play, for example, yeah. if you can sweep somebody, okay, we get more rest, we get more preparation time, all those kind of things, there's nothing but positives about those. So uh, to, to limit those number of games, I, I think, is terrific. Let's take a look at who these other teams are playing because I do think that there's a scenario in which 
the Warriors don't need to win both games to, to get into the top six. Because, all right, the Clippers and Lakers play each other, and they also both play the Phoenix Suns, who, as we mentioned now, who knows, the, the Suns could really manipulate things here since they're more or less locked into the four. Exactly. They, they could kind of pick more or less who they want to play. But if, if, if the Suns are playing Kevin Durant in both of those games, like that could be a loss for one of those teams. Yeah, uh, the, the New Orleans Pelicans, they're at Memphis tonight. They're losing. They also have to play the New York Knicks, and they're at Minnesota. That's a really tough end-of-season schedule. Yeah. Minnesota, they, they have the Pelicans, and they're at San Antonio, so you figure they get that one. But like I, I, I see those schedules, and I don't think that all those teams are going to go undefeated you know, outside of the games where they play each other i i think you're right on and uh i'll give you an example i think monty williams played for nelly for a little while with the knicks so maybe he learned nelly's ways so just what you said maybe tonight i'll play booker 12 minutes and maybe i'll play chris paul 15 or maybe i'm gonna cut kevin durant down a little bit you know (laughs) that's been done before and it you know that that's just part of the NBA, and your your point's well taken. I I think the great example here is the Pelicans. Uh, I think Minnesota is going to solidify itself in in eight or nine, but I I can see New Orleans dropping down to nine or ten uh, without a doubt. Yeah, they got a tough schedule. What they what do. about the Dallas? What about your Dallas Mavericks? I mean, do do you think they can? They're only a half game back nah. of Oklahoma City, but I don't. I think Oklahoma City has a tiebreaker with them, right? Yeah, they have the tiebreaker, and I, as we speak, I'm watching the game. It's halftime, and I think uh, Sacramento's up eleven, and uh, you know Sacramento scored about seventy points. Uh, Greg's not listening. My son, he's on the bench. So I, I think that Kevin and Saint could definitely drive to the hoop and score on on the Dallas <laughs> Mavericks t- today. Uh, their defense is terrible. Their rebounding is terrible, and they're getting what they deserve. They have not uh, played well, and I don't have uh, – well, I'm having a nice night talking to you. I don't want to talk about the Mavericks. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say to your point at the half, the Sacramento Kings are shooting 51% from the field and already have 10 yeah. offensive rebounds for 16 second-chance points. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, continuing along with Sacramento, because that is the next game, and not to overlook Portland – but I mean, yeah. they're not—they're not playing Damian Lillard. They're not playing Jeremy Grant. They're not playing Anthony yeah. Simons. They're—they're they're sitting like their top five or six guys. And you know, Skylar Mays can go for twenty-four, eight, and seven in games for them, and he—he's a good player in his own right. But look, the the Warriors—if they have the requisite approach for that game—they're going to beat the Blazers going away. So it, yeah. it really does kind of come down to Sacramento. You beat the Kings, yeah. you're going to be a top sixteen. Well, you know what's interesting? We we talk about Poole being kind of like a X factor for the Warriors as, as they go forward in the playoffs. The guy that I think is the X factor up there in Sacramento is Monk. Uh, okay. Coming off the bench. When he's playing well, because uh, they're starting five. You know, the rookie Murray's really coming along. He's making a lot of threes. He, he might be a little bit like Stojakovic as far as shooting the ball. And we all love Harrison Barnes, and Sabonis is putting on a clinic tonight. Fox looks great. Herter's playing solid. So their key is going to be their bench. They need Lyles to play well. And, uh, 
you know, when I when I look at that team, uh, I'm just so impressed the way they play through Sabonis. Yeah. And we don't see that. We see it in Minnesota. I mean, excuse me, in Denver. Uh, but we don't see it anywhere else. And it's it's tremendous the way he can play in the high post. He can be up on, on as the trailer position on the break and find guys. And then you put him down in the post. And as good as the Warriors run splits with Draymond down there, uh, he can let all that action come around him. And the next thing you know, he's he's dunking it in there. He has had a tremendous year. And you could convince me he should be on one of the three all-pro teams. I, I just think I he's been so terrific. Fox has really emerged, and yeah, uh, uh, you know, you know Harrison. My God, he's you know you could call him Mister Fundy for Mister Fundamentals. He just <laughs> he's just so darn solid. And uh, so I, I, Mike Brown, you know, all the praise to him and his staff. Uh, I love Doug Christie. Uh, they, they've changed the culture up there and done a great, great job. And uh, so you can see, I, I'm excited. You know, I, uh, Rick Adelman and I, I guess, are the only two that have coached both teams. And yeah. uh, uh, it, it was a, it, just a privilege. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm fast-forwarding, but I'm really looking lo- looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, big props to Sacramento for winning the Pacific Division, which yeah. is an incredible accomplishment because look who's in this division. You got Steph Clay and Draymond. You got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, Russell Westbrook on that team who's been playing well for the Clippers, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, CP3, DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix, and then, of course, LeBron and AD in the Lakers. And look, they might not have the names that some yeah. of those other teams have, but they got ballers for sure. You you just list them all off. And I mean, Demontis Sabos is on pace for another triple double tonight. He's got like 14, yep. 7, and 8 right now. De'Aaron Fox could go for 30 tonight. Harrison Barnes, Steady Eddie, already 12 in that game against the Dallas Mavericks. So, I mean, Mike Brown, he has to be the coach of the year, right? They're, they're, I, I can't think of anyone else I, who, who should get the award. Yeah, I. you're so good with names. I, I can't even put anybody in second place. I think it's a runaway. Yeah. Uh, he's just, and you know what? He's one of the nicest guys in the entire league. You know, we'd have him on the post-game or pre-game show throughout the years that he was there. And, you know, after big games, he'd come out with that big, huge smile from ear to ear. Yeah. And uh, it just... You know, I knew him when he was with Pop as an assistant and then th- during his years as a head coach. And, you know, you change and, and you you learn. And, and give him credit because he was pigeonholed as a defensive coach. And, uh, you know, he, he, he understood. He took things from each guy he's worked with. But the biggest thing he brought there is the culture. And that's about him as a yeah. person and his personality and his beliefs on winning. And uh, so, so that that's it's just a great great story. It, no one's going to accuse him of uh, being only a defensive coach this year, especially when they're twenty oh, fourth no. in defensive no, rating. No, no. But but yeah. I, I that does bring me to this point. And I know you you say, and I know Draymond Green has said that it would be great for the Warriors to play the Kings in the first round, mainly because of the travel. I don't know about you, Gary, and I, I, it sounds like you actually I do know about you that you you really want to see this Warriors Kings first round. I'm not so sure I'm there because <laughs> I don't want to face Sacramento in the first round. Look, it's been 17 years since they've had last hosted a playoff game. Yeah. I mean, Golden One Center is going to be on fire 
for you know game one of that first oh. you know games one and two like that I'm not sure who's going to be able to win game one in Sacramento it's just like I I don't think the Kings have what it takes to make a deep run because of their defensive numbers they're they've given they give up the fifth most points in the NBA they're second worst in opponent field goal percentage and they're seventh worst in defensive rating but they got enough juice to get out of the first round. I just think back to the We Believe year. You know, Golden State did not have a good defense that year. They were 21st in defensive rating in 2007. But, I mean, you, I'm not sure the 1996 Chicago Bulls are going to beat the Golden State Warriors in Oracle. They still might have won that series. They, they would have won the series, don't get me wrong. But uh, they weren't going to take Game 3 in Oracle in the 2007 first round. Like, no one was beating Golden State in the first round that year. No, no way. And, you know, I hey – Old school, I, I won't mind games that are 140 to 138, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's just going to go up and down, and, and and that's today's game. And we've got highly skilled players, and, uh, you know, role players are going to play better in the playoffs at home, but history tells you that the game one is the best game to steal in a series. And uh, you go up there, and they got all those cowbells, and maybe you take the ringer out of there. The, the, the <laughs> cowbell isn't ringing because you're rolling them. And uh, so you can see I'm excited. I, I you know, these other teams, I, I'm watching them and, and all that kind of thing that are in the race. But I, I got to tell you, my heart's with these two teams. There's, there's no, I'm not hiding it at all. <laughs> you know, there is a chance that the Sacramento Kings could actually finish second. They could, there is? They could still... Yeah, so they have their two games back with three to play, and they have the tiebreaker over the Memphis Grizzlies due to oh. a better conference record. Sacramento's 32 and 17 against the West. Memphis is 30 and 20. They split their four regular season games. So, like, Sacramento could, in theory, still have something to play for on Friday. So, and I think I'd rather be two than three for, for a bunch of different reasons. Most notably, you get home court advantage through the second round of the playoffs. But uh, if, you know, what whether there's something to play for for Sacramento or not on Friday, and it depends on how these games finish out tonight. What are going to be some keys for Golden State to eclipsing the Kings and making sure they're going to be a top six team? Well, I, I really think it's going to start with what the game plan is going to be with Sabonis, and I would try to get him involved in a lot of pick and roll action, get him away from the paint because he can be foul prone and uh, make him run the floor as much as you can. So make your bigs like whether it's Draymond or whatever. A guy like Draymond or Looney, uh, you know, they may not have the height, but they got the strength and, and the smarts to guard what I think is one of the smartest offensive players in the league in Sabonis. And with that said, if you're going to have any double team package, you don't come early. You want to come late, meaning on the dribble or when he touches the paint because he's too good of a passer. And with Fox, you got to decide, say to yourself, okay, am I going to let him beat me over the top? Meaning I'm going to go under on screens and I'm going to contest, but I'm not going to get really tight when he wants to shoot the three. Uh, you know, Herter's more of a catch and shoot guy and so is Harrison and so is Murray. So it all really revolves around those two all-stars. And as I said before, Guys like Monk and Davis and Lyles, they're important pieces because that's the question area for that team, for Sacramento. If you ask me today, I think the Warriors have a better bench than Sacramento.
I think the Warriors bench okay. will play better. Even though people have debated, you know, do they all fit like last year's uh, run with the, the guys coming off the, the bench? I, I think this can all come together and, and really, uh, really be a big benefit. Well, that will do it for us here on Warriors Roundtable this week. A big thank you to Mark Grandy behind the glass for us this week, as he has been the last few weeks. A big thank you to Mark, R.C. Davis, and Marika Kleto with the Golden State Warriors for helping out with the show. For Gary, I'm Kevin Dennis saying so long, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Have a great evening. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through, one hand three, up and good! On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. Playful and nailed it! 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.